98FM, you're listening to the Saturday Social with Rachel. Well, it is now time for our weekly check-in slot with Dr. Alona Duffy, who's answering all your questions and queries. And remember, if there's anything you'd like to get advice on, you can get in touch 0877 98 98 98. Uh, Dr. Alona Duffy, welcome back to the show. Morning, Rachel. How are you? I'm very good. And I have lots of um, interesting queries for you today. Um, So we will kickstart with one from a listener called Michelle. Um, And she says, Hi, doctor. I was back to work this week after Christmas and noticed a huge spike in my anxiety. The few days before I went back were so bad, I was feeling physically nauseous and negative thoughts would not stop racing around my mind. I had been drinking a lot over Christmas and more than ever this year, I feel like the alcohol really magnified the anxiety. I've noticed over the past few years that a lot of booze makes me more anxious and I'm now thinking of giving up or limiting my intake. Is there a direct link between anxiety and alcohol? Um, And she said, thanks, that's from Michelle. Well, doctor, I see Michelle might not be alone in this, but is there a a direct link between alcohol and anxiety? Well, there definitely is. And I suppose it's one of the things we've been talking about even before Christmas on on having a good Christmas and staying healthy. And yes, alcohol, I think many people will use alcohol as as a means of relaxing themselves. And sometimes you'll hear people saying, oh, my God, it's such a bad day at work. And, you know, I had a cup of glass of wine or I had a few drinks. Mm. And people see it as a kind of a therapeutic, relaxant thing. And yes, at that point in time, it probably does provide that that relaxing feel to you. But unfortunately, we know that for many people, especially if perhaps they've had more than the recommended amount of alcohol in one day, they are more likely the following day to feel feel jittery, uh, on edge Mm. and feel anxious and also see a drop in their mood. So I think it's always, it's one of those red rag, kind of a red warning flag kind of things that if you notice someone who's not feeling great, not coping, struggling with things, and they're finding that they need alcohol to help, but then obviously it's this vicious cycle. The alcohol then makes them feel more anxious and feel more low, and they're turning more and more to it. So I think, look, Michelle, I would say to you, I think you're very perceptive in this. You have that insight and see that the alcohol is not helping. Mm. And I think you're right to perhaps perhaps consider having a month with no alcohol and seeing how you manage without it. Yeah. And then when you return to alcohol, looking and seeing how do you drink and why do you drink? And I think all of us probably need to do that. It's fine having the few drinks when you're going out socialising. But I always say to people, listen, where possible, avoid drinking at home. And I think, and a few of my friends mentioned this to me, that over Christmas, I suppose, you're not just drinking, you know, a Friday or a Saturday, you know, like you would during the year. A lot of people will be, you know, kind of consistently drinking on and off for a couple of weeks. So, you know, if you do get a bit anxious after a night out, if you're drinking consistently for a couple of weeks, does that mean the anxiety will kind of build up? You know what I mean? It'll, It'll be amplified. I think, yes, if you're drinking, you know, the the five nights out of the week, it's definitely going to be that way because it's all adding to your adrenaline and your noradrenaline yeah. in your system. And we know that our mood is very much based on physical kind of things. So it's based on hormones we produce in our brain. So when people are feeling low, often uh, if we're able to measure it easily for them, we'd note that their serotonin level was low. And again, when you're anxious, your noradrenaline is high. But we know that the two work hand in hand. So often if people are under constant pressure and stress, are feeling anxious a lot of the time, that will react with their serotonin and cause it to drop. So suddenly Mm. they start feeling low as well. Okay. But what are the things that we would say, when do you need to talk to somebody? When do you need to seek help? Well, I think if a bit like this for for Michelle, that the thoughts of going back to work were actually making her feel physically sick, I'd be kind of saying, well, if this is an ongoing thing, and if it's not just Christmas, but that every Sunday evening you're feeling that 
sickness and that dread in the pit of your stomach. You're perhaps maybe having other physical symptoms like increased headaches, irritable bowel type symptoms with diarrhea, etc. and the cramps. Or if you're just feeling kind of so down and so anxious that it's affecting your sleep as well. They're all the red flag things. So if you're finding that you are persistently and consistently feeling anxious and you're finding sleep disturbed, you're finding that you're finding it hard to concentrate on things. So reading a book or doing your work, you're falling behind and others around you have noticed a change in you. It's time to talk to someone. And I suppose that first person tends to be your GP. And we can often guide you and decide, you know, what what's needed. And often it is talk therapy initially is the ideal thing, seeing a psychologist or a psychotherapist to perhaps look at means of relaxing you, of understanding what are the stresses in your life. Because I think, you know, we, we know, we recognize the big stresses. And, and I'll be quick on this story, but I think it's very helpful. They talk about cooking frogs. So in France, as we know, they eat frogs. And, you know, a chef is there and he's trying to cook the frogs in his pot of boiling water and he throws the frog in, but it's so hot, the frog keeps jumping out. So he then puts the frog into the cold vat of water and slowly heats it up and the frog slowly becomes overcome with the heat and passes away. So I think in life, what I'm trying to get here is that when we face an obvious big stress, like a bereavement, like a break of a relationship, like the loss of a job, we know it's a stress and we react to it. But sometimes what we're not looking at in our life are buildup of stresses, mm. maybe work being busier, home life being busier, things like alcohol, all of those things slowly building up. So we're building up this steady level of stress until it overwhelms us. I love that. That's a really good analogy with the frog. It completely makes sense. Um, And it's good to know because I think, Dr. Alona, a lot of people do suffer with some level of anxiety. You know, I think everyone does, but I think it's knowing when it's really taking over your life and when you need to go and take that extra kind of step. Um, And like you said, your first step is always to go and talk uh, usually to your GP. So that is is really, really good to note. And I'm sure that has been very helpful for Michelle. Um, So we will move on to an email from uh, uh, Connor. Dr. Alona. Um, He says, I was wondering if you could help me. I have struggled for years with bad skin on my face. Uh, He says, I wouldn't call it adult acne because I don't think it's full acne, but I do tend to get breakouts and just wonder what is causing this. I'm in my 30s now and I had hoped my skin would have cleared up. Um, I also have some scarring from acne as a teenager. Do you have any tips to calm breakouts um, or is there anything that can be done for acne scars? Uh, Well, let's firstly Mm -hmm. deal with maybe the breakout situation because, you know, traditionally we do associate bad skin with, you know, kind of teenagers. But obviously this can happen at any age. Yes, I think that is a, a misunderstanding amongst people that acne is limited to your teenage years. And unfortunately, Connor, obviously he's fairly bad acne if he has the scarring. And he is more at risk of having acne continued into, into adulthood as well, usually early adulthood. But at this stage, we'd be hoping it would start to improve. The most important thing is for Connor that it can be treated. Now, we are seeing a rise in acne flares as a result of people wearing masks. So I think that's an important one to talk about. Oh, yeah. Because you're wearing masks a lot of the time, maybe at work or out and about, your skin is sweating underneath it. And people sometimes aren't as good at changing their masks as they should be. So for those who are getting flares of spots, um, cleaning the skin regularly, so having a good clean of the skin and avoiding makeup if you're female because the makeup will tend to block the pores. And again, you won't necessarily need it if you're wearing masks a lot of the time anyway. Try and wear cotton masks because some of the synthetic masks will tend to um, tend to cause more sweating and therefore that sweating can cause more blockage of the, of the reducts that cause maybe the, the spot to actually develop mm. in there. And just 
cleaning it every night. So if you are wearing the reusable mask, wash it in the washing machine every night, not just rinse it out. We want to get it a clean one and make sure they're cotton so it's not synthetic fibres. But for those who are having really difficulties with their skin and for the likes of Connor, where perhaps he may start having scarring again, then it is worth again talking to us, your GP, and we may decide to put you on an oral antibiotic. And that often will help with most people. He mentioned the scarring. I suppose if people are getting scarring, and this is especially for younger people who might have bigger flares of the acne, anyone with scarring needs to talk to their doctor. No one should be scarring anymore because there's so many treatments from the oral antibiotics to the topical treatments, meaning Mm. the creams and lotions we put on, to a medication called Roaccutane that is excellent for use and that you might be put on for anywhere from 12 to 26 weeks and it will help cure it. But our most important thing is to avoid the scarring. Yes. Connor does ask what to do about the scarring. Yes, scarring can be treated. Um, it will tend to be done as more of a cosmetic type thing, so not a freely available necessarily, you know, through the public health care system, but can be done privately okay. through, you know, cosmetic kind of surgeon and things. And they can do different things where they kind of are abrasive type treatments and certain dermatologists specialise in this as well. So if it's something that is bothering you, Connor, you know, do something about it. You know, yeah. don't don't feel that it's there at you and leaving you maybe feeling self-conscious. Exactly. And in the meantime, if your acne is flaring at you, good quality photos to send to your GP. Well, they were some brilliant tips. And I think it is important to speak about um, adults and their skin. Uh, because like we were saying at the start, I think there is kind of a, an image there that it's it's only teenagers who suffer. So I'm sure that was uh, really helpful for Connor. So, and uh, please do remember, if you have anything you'd like to ask Dr. Aloni, you can get in touch 0877 98 98 98. Or you can email me rachel.ryan at 98fm.com. That's Rachel with an A. Uh, Dr. Lona Duffy, thank you so much for your time here on the Saturday Social and we'll chat to you next week. Bye now.